the music always follows up. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is your friend C.L. King coming to you live from the High Definition Studios here in Impactville. <laughs> I've created my own new place, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it is called Impactville, believe it or not. And I happen to be the sheriff of this place. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I want you all to know that the very reason why we exist, I got this from First Church this past week, is others. The very reason why we exist is for others. And I am blessed every Monday night, every Tuesday night, and every Thursday night to come before you with other people who can impact you. There are stories that we that we have on this show. There are, there are circumstances that we have on this show that are sometimes pleasant. They're sometimes uplifting. And then sometimes they're challenging. Sometimes they're difficult to discuss. But I am blessed with people who are willing to become vulnerable if it means helping somebody else. My guest, Jane Epstein, is a sibling sexual abuse survivor. She is an expert and advocate who speaks publicly about and provides guidance and tools for prevention and victim recovery. Jane spent 40 years in a continual state of disassociation, dissociation. She was in and out of therapy. Despite marrying and being blessed with two children, she became depressed and even suicidal. Sobriety and self-reflection led her to write her story and that's where she encountered the answers but listen she began to google this thing called sibling sexual abuse and she could only find like one or two outdated sites that even dealt with the topic and so she's like listen she's got to share her story and even her pain of what she went through and carried for multiple years so that number one there's one life out there tonight that can be saved from this trauma. And number two, we can impact the world. So welcome to Impacting Life 24-7, my guest and friend, Miss Jane Epstein. Welcome, Jane. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it is so good to have you on the show on Impacting Life 24-7. And what we do on this show is, is really all about that. At Impactville, Jane, which you are now a, we've grafted you in, even though I know you live in California and you're from Colorado, you're also now a, a adjunct member of Impactville. How about that? Sounds amazing. Thank you. <laughs> And so, Jane, before we get started, because I know we got a lot to cover and this show flies when we actually get down to business, tell people how they can contact you. I, I, that's what we do throughout the show. We want everyone to know how they can reach you. So, Jane, tell tell folks the vehicles and methods by which they can reach to, reach out to you. I would say the best way to reach me is my website, Complicated Courage. There are several opt-ins there. You can message me, email me. My email is complicatedcourage at Gmail or Instagram message me. That seems to be pretty consistent. My Instagram is Jane underscore Complicated Courage. And I, and I do respond to emails. I do respond to private messages. 
Okay, excellent. And and again, ladies and gentlemen, Greg already has that up for our live audience. You can go to complicatedcourage.com and I would love for everyone right now if you if our Facebook users are out there, you've got a Facebook uh platform too, right, Jane? I do. It's called Complicated Courage. Complicated Courage. So go to Complicated Courage. Yeah, that's that's the way to do it. Go to go go to Complicated Courage on Facebook, uh, and, Correct. and and connect with Jane Epstein there, or you can go to complicatedcourage.com. You'll see that in the show notes if you're listening to our podcast, as the many people do throughout the country and around the world. We would love for you to connect with Jane Epstein right now. So even before we begin, I'm asking for our live audience to go there like her page connect with her and i i want to continue uh, we've already talked about it we're going to do a follow-up show uh with jane because this this conversation is one that needs to be had and it needs to be had regularly and our our staff is already liking your page that's what we do here at impacting life 24 7 it's all about um making this the most valuable time that you have spent all week jane and so jane uh, you know we were talking in the pre-show the pre-show is always a time for us to kind of get ourselves and our thoughts together and really you know, I, I have said this to you and I say this to you again. We appreciate your courage and your vulnerability to be willing to come to speak to total strangers in their living rooms tonight about a very, very difficult topic, but one that we need to have a discussion on. So, Jane, when we talk about sibling sexual abuse and you being a sibling sexual abuse survivor, in this segment of the show, this is this is going to be where we kind of unpack what happened as you remember in your in your childhood and and what brought us to this conversation tonight. So take us back and and kind of lay out the foundation for us, Jane. Absolutely. I, I would like to give a little care warning here to people who are listening that this could be a little triggering. I the best way I can describe it is my life did happen out of order. So it's not like I remembered this in order, but we will start in order. When I was about six years old, I had two older siblings and one of my siblings was 12. And that sibling became curious and which is very common with sibling sexual abuse. That sibling didn't have a place to go with their questions and, and maybe lack of sexual education. And I was available which made me vulnerable to that older sibling. And I need you to understand this older sibling was 12. They were not a monster. They weren't behaving like a 40 year old adult. They were 12. Right. And so the sexual abuse began and his body responded the way his body is, is supposed to respond. And so then that made the sexual abuse continue on and off for six years until I was 12 and he went away to college. Wow. So, so you, you endured that for, for six, six years until, until he went away. And yeah, I would like to, when you say endure, I, I'm going to share with you that he never threatened me. Mm -hmm. He was never volatile with me. And, and at this, this is also common. It's not always the same thing, but for me, I felt like a willing complicit participant because I didn't understand what was happening. Right. Right. Especially since it started when you were so young. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, again, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you tuning into our live 
broadcast. I have in the studios with me Jane Epstein, uh, f- currently lives in San Francisco, California, and I'd love for you to connect with her at, at um, complicatedcourage.com, complicatedcourage.com. Uh, she has a remarkable story, but she's also using this story to help families around the world. And uh, we got an upcoming TEDx talk where she's going to be telling her story there. So we're looking forward to participating and supporting her in that. But so this this went on for 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 six years. And you're right. Your your mind. This is why Jane and I connected, ladies and gentlemen, because I am a survivor of the very same thing. And those of you who know this will be in my book and, and who've heard me speak around the country and around the world. Uh, this is kind of the hallmark for how I got to be C.L. King. And and so when you when you made a very good point there, Jane, that 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 some people may not have realized that at, at some point in the evolution of the offense, you don't necessarily realize it to be offensive. Right. Correct. Took me years to figure that out. Right. And 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 this is something that. You know, Jane and I were talking off air. You know, we, we talked about it, it oftentimes um, could probably be digested better and discussed more uh, if it was somebody that is unknown. But now when we bring it into the family and a sibling or a cousin or whatever, this takes on a totally different dynamic. And so a, a, after you after, you know, your your sibling moved on and went on to college and you were left how did life progress for you, Jane? Well, I had been awakened to sexual things that I should not have known. And so when he went away to college, I was a 12-year-old girl who felt like she needed male validation. And I would describe myself as hypersexual. And I was also angry. And I, looking back, I can see it now that that was the shame, the shame eating at me. But my parents were also going through a divorce. So to an outsider's perspective, you're thinking, well, she's the third born, a little spoiled. Of course, she's angry. The parents are going through a divorce. So I didn't show any outward signs of being sexually abused. And so my promiscuity just grew and grew and grew. And I began partying and doing drugs and barely graduating high school. Mm. And and again, this is these are. If you if you if you can imagine this, ladies and gentlemen, this is this is almost like layers upon layers. Right. Right. One 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 layer on top of the other. And so in 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 the layering of this whole dysfunctional life that you had to live and carry around with you, your mom and dad weren't made aware of this. huh? They were not. They really they did not have any idea, but I, again, I didn't show any of the classical signs or symptoms and actually 40% of children who are sexually abused don't show any signs. That's why we have to educate our children, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and again, that, 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 that's something that, listen, being a survivor myself, you, you have a tendency to carry this around and you're still trying to build the plane while you're flying it as some of my educators yes. some of my educator friends say and you're you're trying to understand why am i feeling like this why am i having these responses and so then 
and because mom and dad can't do what mom and dads are supposed to do in terms of encourage you and help and walk you through this, then you began to seek outside stimuli to help, huh? I did. I was very resourceful, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, I did barely graduate high school and I was angry and my mom just kind of didn't know what to do with me. And there was a point she, she kicked me out of the house. She said, you're not coming home at night. I don't know where you are. I can't do it anymore. And I spent a little time in a business college, but I was really drawn to stripping. I wanted to be a dancer (laughs) and I was intent on doing it. And I found someone else who was going to do it with me. We decided let's do it. We downed a couple shots and we sat in the parking lot and we discussed it and we went in and we filled out the application and it's not that hard to get a job. Turns out Uh I was old enough to get on a stage and take my clothes off in front of a room full of strangers, but I wasn't old enough to drink alcohol or serve alcohol. Wow. But the moment I stepped on that stage, I was shaky. I was nervous and I put one foot in front of the other and I was hoping that it would not fall off the stage, but the cheering began and the dollar bills came and there was validation and I felt pretty and it sounds a little crazy, but it helped me get over my shyness. I was a shy child, but it helped me get over my shyness because I had to talk to the men in the club in order to schmooze with them in order to get the dancing and to get the dollar bills right so ladies and gentlemen we're getting ready to take a quick commercial break i hate to take a commercial break right at the dancing moment (laughs) (laughs) but uh again i'm joined by jane epstein uh from san francisco california you can follow her and connect with her at complicatedcourage.com and you know we our sponsors help us to continue to bring people on this show who have amazing stories like Jane does. So what I'm going to do for our live audience, we do this for our live audience primarily because we love y'all so much. Um, I'm going to share our screen and we're going to hear just a very quick word uh, from our sponsors, because again, our sponsors help us to bring people like Jane Epstein on the show who, who have a a message and a story that can impact uh, someone's life. So let's just hear a quick word from our sponsors. Our sponsors help us reach people from city to city, coast to coast, and around the world. Our gold sponsors, Michelle Perry. She is the host of the Successful Diligence Podcast and best-selling author of The Pebble in My Shoe. You can connect with Michelle and get a copy of her book at SuccessfulDiligence.com. Paula Cousson has dedicated her life volunteering in community youth programs such as the Young Marines. Paula believes that the greatest asset each young person has is at least one caring adult in their life. Donald Lamb is a gold sponsor, and he and his wife have happily been married for over 35 years. He is the proud father of one daughter and three sons. Donald honorably served his country over 22 years in the United States Army and retired with distinction. Active in his community, Donald is also the owner and operator of Mama's Boy Event Planning and Coordinating Services. Connect with Donald at facebook.com forward slash Mama's Boy Events Coordinating. Our platinum sponsors, Gregory Smith. He is the author of 100 Simple Ways How to Manage a Property and Evidence Room. Get your copy today by reaching out to Gregory Smith on Facebook or email him at smithg1963 at yahoo.com. Adrian Barker is the host of the Adrian Barker Speaks podcast 
a life coach and CEO of Professional Global Etiquette. Please connect with her at professionalglobaletiquette.com. Mr. Mike Black from New Bern, North Carolina. He helps men throughout Eastern Carolina lead a faith-filled life. He is a compassionate leader in his church, a devoted husband, and father. Dr. Nate Dunlap Jr. is the executive director of the PRF Institute. He is the author of What's Next, Preparing for Eternity, and Don't Leave Me Like This, Inspiration to Leave a Legacy. As a 501c3 nonprofit organization, the PRF Institute is blessed to be that premier stewardship-based teaching ministry that truly responds to the needs of families and communities around the country. Find Dr. Dunlap and his amazing team at prfinstitute.org. Poet Katrina McCain is the author of Because She Decided to Love. This is a collection of poetry and prose about love and its impact on every relationship. This raw, uncut poetry book addresses the themes of how we experience love through loss, hurt, pain, grief, and passion. Get your copy of her book today at paulkatrinamccain.com. If you would like to become a sponsor of Impacting Life 24-7, it's very simple. Just visit clkingspeaker.com. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, just visit clkingspeaker.com. I told you we are a bit over the top here, Jane. <laughs> so thank you to our sponsors. Our sponsors are really the vehicle by which we can we can expand our tentacles. In fact, um, w- one of the things that our sponsors do is help us to, to provide services to at-risk youth throughout North Carolina and beyond. And so in a couple Fridays from now, we will be taking this on the road to the Gate Community Center there in Kinston, North Carolina, uh, and we'll be providing free motivational services to those young people. And this is as a result of our sponsors who help us every single day all the way. And so we are glad to be joined by our friend Jane Epstein from San Francisco, California. I would love for you guys to connect with Jane at complicatedcourage.com she has an amazing story about overcoming and we just in the first half of what we were discussing we were we were talking about uh, uh sibling sexual abuse and jane's story is probably uh n- not uncommon but it's just not talked about and when when jane and i met and we were going to we were planning doing this show i said wow jane i didn't realize that you and I have the exact same story. And so, you know, we're from two different parts of the world, two different nationalities, two different genders, but yet we've got the same story. And and the same story is that we were hurt as young kids by family members. And so Jane was telling us about, about how this went on for, for the first, uh, for six years. this, This started at six years old by one of her siblings, and it went on for six years. And, and then the, the, the additional results of this were, you know, uh, barely passing school, beginning to get involved in partying and drugs and alcohol. And, uh, and so then she, she said, I'm going to find something that brings validation back to my life. And it was on becoming a professional stripper. And that's where we left off right before the commercial with Jane uh, talking about how she got validation. She was seeking that validation after that that inappropriate relationship, that sibling abuse had stopped. She was still seeking validation. So pick it up from there, Jane. Sure. So I did. I continued 
what we'll call dancing, loosely dancing, um, right. about almost three years. And it brought back, it brought a lot of power, but it started turning on its head and it started taking away from me. And I started resenting the patrons and I was starting to crave drugs and alcohol to get through what they call a set, a three song set. Now I was dancing in Iowa and I had seen a gentleman come in the club a couple times and he caught my attention. And then one evening he did come up to me and he tipped me and he said, what are you doing here? You look like the kind of girl that I could take home to meet my mom. And I jumped on that opportunity because I'd had my eyes on this guy. And I said, you always tip me and you leave. And he said, okay, I'll stay. I'll stay. And I said, do you promise? He said, yes, if you come right out. So I finished my set and I ran to the back and I put a breath of fresh mint in and I put some fresh makeup on. I changed my clothes and I raced out and he's sitting at the bar drinking his usual drink. And I crawled up on the bar stool next to him and he was 11 years older than me. But in that moment, I did have a love at first sight moment and he made me laugh. And I just knew that we were going to be together. I had a love at first sight moment and I knew in my heart we would be together. Right. And we were together. He did ultimately give me an ultimatum. He said, I don't like this dancing. It's either me or the stage. And yeah. believe it or not, I actually struggled with that because the stage gave me so much validation, but I ultimately did choose moving in with him and he helped me get back to school. Wow. So, so the, 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 there was, you know, they call it a gentleman's club, right? <laughs> they call it a gentleman's club and it truly was, he truly was a gentleman. Uh, and you know, they, they comes in all circumstances and scenarios, doesn't it? Yeah, sure does. Yeah. So, so when you, when you, um, when you guys got together, you, you wound up getting married and, and, and starting a life together, huh? We did. We did. We got married and we were married for about seven years. And I put a lot of pressure on him. I made him my world because mm. I, I needed somebody and I didn't trust my instincts. I didn't think that I had, I didn't think that I could think for myself. And he taught me how to dress. He taught me how to cook. He taught me how to socialize. And then at some point I started feeling confined and looking back, I can look back and say, okay, there, because I wasn't known, I was still hiding because I didn't tell him about the sexual abuse but I started feeling controlled and I was going to start resenting him. And I started, started getting a nagging feeling of depression, Right. but it didn't end up mattering because it was right around that time that we got a diagnosis that he had terminal esophageal cancer. Oh my. So, so again, here's another layer, ladies and gentlemen, um, you know, you were in a, an arena that um, good for better or for worse, you were looking for validation because of the scars that you had, uh, I think you were on Chris D.T. Gordon's show, Scar Bears, right? Yes, yeah, I was. And, and so, you know, and, and he's a, a scar survivor with layers and layers and layers over top of his scars or which have created scars. And, you know, you were a six-year-old kid who was sexually abused by a sibling. And then the scars and the layers of life just continued to form over that. Well, yes. here we are at the dance floor and, you know, topless dancing is is for better or for worse, that is the place where you met someone that could breathe life into you again. But yeah. he did not know, did your, did, your, did your late husband know about what happened to you as a kid? Not really. I think I brought it up sort of in passing, but 
I kept that in a box as that's not a big deal. It didn't affect me. And right. so he believed me. Right. And so then, you know, you you find this knight in shining armor and then he gets this diagnosis. Um, and how long did he survive after the diagnosis? From diagnosis to passing, it was about seven months. Wow. So, yeah, I was a widow at the age of 34. 34 years old. And this was a shock to your life. So here here we go again. You know, you've been carrying around this secret. You've been walking around with this with this box like like I have. Yeah. You've, you've been walking around with this box of of secrets tucked away in your heart. But it causes some peripheral issues in your life. Um, yeah. And we and what what you were doing is kind of what I've done over the years is you were you were trying to diagnose it as something other than what it really was. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so, so in other words, so in other words, ladies and gentlemen, on Impacting Life 24-7, it wasn't about getting to the root cause. We were just dealing with symptoms. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I was not ready for the root cause yet. <laughs> not ready for the root cause. And understand, ladies and gentlemen, on Impacting Life 24-7 and any other outlets, I got my dear friend Celia Kibler on here, who is uh, the CEO of Pumped Up Parenting. You always have to get to the root cause. If you continue to try to treat the peripheral, you'll only deal with the peripheral. And Jane, I, again, I really appreciate you being so vulnerable because I, I, I get the, the sinking feeling when I'm interviewed about my life story. So I, I know even though you make it look easy, I know that discussing it is, is always a challenge uh, yes. going back down that road. So you lost your, hu you lost your husband. And then what happened next? I can look back at it. I can explain it looking back at the time. I didn't understand it, but at, when he passed, I reconnected with God and I felt joy. I didn't understand what the joy was about, but looking back, I think I had been numb for so long that when he passed, I couldn't avoid the pain. And so I was feeling pain. Therefore I was feeling alive and there can be joy inside of grief because you realize, okay, life is short. I'm not going to sweat the small stuff, but it also allowed me to take the depression and whatever might've been nagging at me and put it away again. And so that's when I started dating again. And that's when I met my, my now husband. Yeah. And, and, and so you, you were 35 and you, a, a little bit after that, you met your husband and, and you kind of put him through the ringers though, didn't you? <laughs> I did. <laughs> this I did. <laughs> this guy's got to be a former Marine because what you told me in the pre-show, he you wore that brother out, huh? Yeah, I definitely tried. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, even to sabotage the relationship, right? I tried to sabotage the marriage. I tried to make him divorce me. I tried to divorce him. Anything because the memories had resurfaced, but wow. I wasn't sharing those memories with anybody. And we had two children. I was depressed. I was volatile and. I thought for sure, this all goes back to, I'm missing my late husband. This marriage isn't perfect. It's gotta be his fault. And I tried to fix him for five years. And uh, you couldn't fix him uh, because maybe, maybe he, you know, us men, we do have some issues. I think there's not <laughs> a man, a lot, there's not a man alive that doesn't have issues, but it right. was really something that was, that was deep uh, in the recesses of, Jane Epstein, wasn't it? Yes. 
Yes. Um, I didn't want to admit that. And he is not perfect. He's a great guy, but he is not perfect. But right. yeah, that's when, after we've been in marriage counseling for five years and I was still depressed, still with no answers. And I should have been happy. Stay at home, mom, two beautiful children married. I remember sitting on the staircase, holding my eight-year-old son's hands, feeling like I wanted to die. Hmm. And I knew I couldn't do that to my family. And I thought something inside of me said, maybe look inward. Maybe there's something inside of you. And I made a conscious decision to quit drinking and to start turning over every single hurt in my life. Hmm. And so at one point, was it through counseling that you got to give the revelation to your husband of what you had went through as, as cause you carried this around for what, 40 years Four. I think I was about 45 when I told my husband and the counselor, because we had turned over everything. And even the counselor, I mean, even though we put his three kids through college, I think he, even he was tired of it. Yeah. And he said, Jane, your anger just does not match the circumstances. Is there something else that we don't know about? Ah, ah. Ooh, transparency, man. <laughs> and, and I'm telling you what, that, that moment I, I'm, uh, I can relate to what Jane's, what Jane is saying because uh, it was a very long, almost couple decades of me trying to, you know, well, th- whatever these issues that, cl king has it that's got to be because of this or because of that or because of this and it wasn't until that became a a revelation to my wife charity that that then we could navigate better understanding okay this we're we're seeing the effects of something that that you've been carrying around and not having dealt with for all these years right right i tried to outrun it i tried to out exercise it i i tried and it it, it didn't go away. Right. I saw that. And that was some of the things that you did to try to mask the pain. Even And I looked yeah. on, if you look on Jane's website and I'd love for you guys to go there, complicatedcourage.com. Put that in the chat. If you would, Greg, one more time, we want to make sure that everyone connects with her or go to her, her Facebook page, complicated courage. Uh, we really want to, we really want to be a rally around this, this mission that, that uh, Jane has, because it's it's more real than than we're giving it credit for, and it's happening more often than we think. Um, yes. But but you know, here's the deal: you used to try to exercise yourself out of the pain, right? I mean, pain, I exercise is enough pain for me. But <laughs> you try <laughs> you tried to exercise, and you couldn't get, you couldn't get enough, could you? I could not get enough. I ran marathons and all I ended up was with infected blisters. And I just kept running, 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 running and exercising two or three times a day. And just, it wasn't working anymore. Right. And, and you know what, sometimes there is, there is nothing that can, there's nothing that can heal the, all those things were again, peripheral, but there's nothing that can heal except when you do that open heart surgery. Yes. You know? And so, so that that's a be- that's a beautiful story at number 1 about the resiliency of of your family you know because it was it was obviously a difficult stretch but the resiliency yeah. of your family the the power of love and God's mercy and grace uh on all of our lives but in particularly in your life 
And I'm so I'm so thankful for that. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, I told you this was going to be a good show. I'm here live with my guest, Jane Epstein, in the virtual studios from California, originally from Colorado. She wants me to make sure that I say that <laughs> I, 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 I we're going to we're going to depart for just a moment and uh, have a discussion with about our sponsors, because our sponsors, again, are the reason why we continue to have impacting life 24 seven. We're blessed with some amazing sponsors. And so I wanted to share just another little clip of our sponsors. I'm going to share our screen so everybody can see these beautiful people who help us out every week, week in and week out. They, they support us financially. They support us spiritually. They pray for us. Uh, and, and they, they are just behind this movement of impacting one life one day at a time. So let's hear a little bit more about our additional sponsors. Every time you hear Impacting Life 24-7, it is brought to you in part by our amazing sponsors. Donald Skip Mondragon II MD is a platinum sponsor, and he is a 26-year Army veteran, national veterans wrestling champion, a speaker, and author. He is the author of Wrestling Depression is Not for Wimps, Lessons Learned from an Amateur Wrestler's Fight to Triumph Over Depression. Contact him and book him today at WrestlingIsNotForWimps.com. The Underdog Ninja Foundation are platinum sponsors. This was founded in 2020 by Javi and Jessica Madrigal, a husband and wife team that have been battling and overcoming heart disease for 18 years. Their personal story and experiences have led them to follow the calling of empowering, educating, and supporting those fighting heart disease. They have a remarkable platform and a dynamic story. Contact this amazing team at underdogninja.org. Belinda Tyson Linder has spent decades investing in people from all different backgrounds. She is a platinum sponsor. She has led inner city programs for disadvantaged youth, as well as being a mentor to young adults, married couples, individuals facing adversity. Belinda and her husband have built multiple six and seven figure businesses and have trained leaders on having tenacity and character. Ultimately, Belinda cares about people. Bettina Carey is a platinum sponsor. Bettina Carey is a four foot nine and a half Latina. She inspires and empowers women to create big results. They break through, no, they shatter their earning ceiling, kick self-imposed limitations to the curb, and live their legacies now. Whether she's coaching from a live or virtual stage or conferencing with a small cohort of bold women or men on the rise across from a conference table, her championship strategies and straight talk compel women and men to find their whole new gear and succeed beyond their wildest imaginations. Connect with Bettina today at weempoweryourlife.com. You've heard it here, folks. All of these people help us with Impacting Life 24-7. If you would like to join them, it's very simple. All you have to do is go to clkingspeaker.com. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Just go to clkingspeaker.com. 
Facebook.com. <laughs> I envision I envision myself one day jumping off the stage when that commercial is being played. So anyway, I, I, again, I want to add that we've added a new sponsor to the program, uh, Amanda Aker. We're going to get her in the commercial. She's just our, our newest and latest sponsor. We thank you so much, Amanda, for joining with this movement. Listen, people have heard that commercial in 40 one states they've heard that commercial in 28 countries and they've heard it on 27 different platforms that is the value that we bring back to our sponsors we don't they don't just send us money every month but we do that for every gold and platinum sponsor for the life of their sponsorship now the list is growing long so we're coming up with some <laughs> we're coming because my commercials are going to be 25 minutes long with all these sponsors but we're going to find some other ways to continue to promote our sponsors and connect with them they connected with us they've invested in us and so we want to reciprocate i am joined because of our sponsors i'm joined in the virtual studios by my friend my sister in the lord jane epstein uh, from san francisco california originally from the colorado area and uh, you can find jane epstein at complicatedcourage.com she is a she is an advocate she's a voice she's a writer about child sibling sexual abuse and that's i know that's a that's a taboo topic but it is really actually happening. And she went through 40 plus years of carrying around the six year uh, event that took place with her uh, and a sibling in her house trying to navigate through the feelings and and then later on doing some self-destructive activities in life relative to drugs, alcohol abuse, even over-exercising, um, trying to reject people that were in her life to include her current husband, and uh, she's there's been layers upon layers of of adversity in her life that have that has only served to magnify the pain that she went through from age six to 12 years old. But but the beautiful thing about Jane and why we we have her and we're going to have her again is because she's you see, she's very unassuming um, and you can tell the spirit of the Lord is upon her and and that she has become vulnerable for one reason to help somebody else to help stop this this epidemic and so jane i had asked you and we talked about this offline about some kind of some data i know that it's hard to find but do you have some data about helping us understand how sibling sexual abuse is is a real issue yes there is a new author out his name is brad watson he wrote the book sibling sexual abuse and he talks about how there's very few studies because one, nobody's talking about it. Nobody's coming forward. And some of the studies are as old as 2002. They state that as much as 40% of sexual abuse is estimated to be perpetrated by juveniles. There's even some newer studies that state it's more than 50%. It is a silent epidemic. And I will say that I have two or three people reach out to me daily that have gone through it or are currently going through it, 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 tr those numbers are real. Right. And I think if we took, I believe this, I mean, just think if, if we took the, the people that are in our, you know, in our live audience right now, we at least know of two of them, obviously me and you, my guest, we, so you know that this has been this, this silent under the cover smoldering issue that, yes. that, 
you have had, and we thank God, we thank God for you, that you have had the courage to come to the forefront and and discuss this. So let's deal with the why. Why 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 have you made this your mission, Jane? I didn't ask for this mission. I started a Facebook page and I started writing and I was talking about grief and I was talking about sexual abuse and I kept getting the nudge that said, nope, nope, you have to go deeper than that. And I thought, I don't want to do sibling sexual abuse, but I kept getting that nudge and I kept doing the homework and seeing that nobody was talking about it yet. It was very prevalent. And I realized I can't be the only one and my brother can't be the only one. So by that point, I was speaking to my brother and I reached out to him and I said, we got to go public. I have to go public. I know I have to go public. And so I started kind of dipping my toe in and starting posting some things on my Facebook page. My Facebook page was very, very quiet, but I started getting the private messages. Mm -hmm. That happened to me. That happened to me. Thank you for talking about it. I'm not ready to. And the messages just grew and grew and grew. And anytime I wanted to quit, because I am vulnerable. I, I get nauseous before any interview. I do. Every time I want to quit, I get another nudge, another nudge. And now I'm so deep in it that I can't stop talking about it. This we have to talk about it. It's very, very powerful. So you went through, and uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, connect with Jane Epstein at complicatedcourage.com. I think I've done good the whole show, right, Jane? I've, I've been, yeah, I've been you good. Have, you've done great. Thank I, you, I, so. you know, I've known to butcher people's names. Um, <laughs> so there was four kind of phases that you that you help us and you walk us through. And, you know, always on the second half of the show, we always talk about the overcoming and, you know, the processes and how other people can kind of tap into it. So the first element that you went through was silence. Explain that. I wasn't talking about it. I, I was I, I was silent. And I think that that's very common. I wanted to pretend that it didn't happen. But then once it reared its ugly head and it would not go away, I had to start talking about it. Yeah. So you carried that silence that you had as a six year old little girl you carried that silence all the way up to your 40s and 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 into your marriage to marriages yeah. and such and so it, it was and, and you know that's interesting because i i have i find that that is one of my faults too is that if i get hurt let's say i get hurt y'all need to just know this don't come don't come try to hug me i won't be left alone i don't even want to talk about it you know and and i've i have i have worked on that over the years of how to allow and to speak and to you think I'm a speaker. So that's, I want to talk about everything, but no, the pain, I want to keep that quiet. I don't want, I don't want to talk. I don't want to share it with anybody. So again, I understand what you're saying about the nauseous feeling to have to share it, but I do believe whether it's somebody in the Philippines, whether it's somebody around the corner that may tune into this, to this show that's in, that's in San Francisco with you, or whether it's whether it's somebody right here in in North Carolina, if one person hears this and 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 they begin to take action and and have a conversation or have the difficult conversation, we have impacted one life and we have done our job, Jane. I agree. And we think, and that, even if we just let someone know that they are not alone, that's exactly right. And so uh, the other element that you went through, these are phases, and understand, ladies and gentlemen, these are layers 
that we we've kind of unpacked with with uh, Jane tonight. But depression, she said, I experienced a distorted body image and I was fighting depression. I developed an addiction to exercise. Now, that may be that may be healthy for some. (laughs) They might want to get addicted to some exercise. But you said uh, the exercise gave me a place to get out some of my anger and keep the depression at bay. There were days I would not run far enough or I could not run far enough or fast enough and I would still break down. Tell us about that season. Yeah, I mean, I would go for a run and I would come home and I was back in tears. I worked with a boxing coach and he would say, punch me, punch me, punch me. And I would punch him, punch him, punch him. I would get in the car and just tears. It just still was not enough. So let's let's pause here for a second, because remember, there was a period of time in in the midst of you being abused by your sibling and then even post that time. But when did it do you remember? I mean, you can just everything's an approximation. But do you remember around the season when you realized um, what happened to you was wrong? Wow, I Yes, that was when I was about 45 and I started writing it down. And that was when I wrote it down and I was able to put my life back in order. I was able to think, oh, my life happened out of order. I knew things about sex that I shouldn't have known and that that did impact the way I viewed myself and the way I went forward in my life. So much, much older. Wow. Wow. You you see this, ladies and gentlemen, again, I'm joined. We're joined with um, with Jane. Epstein, I want you to connect with her again. Please go to her website, complicatedcourage.com. Go to her Facebook page. I I like the page. I'm going to be a part. When we bring people on this show, as as my friend Celia can testify, when we bring people on this show, especially folks that are trying to make an impact in the world, it is not just a one and done on impacting life 24-7. I'm like that as a speaker. I go back to places. I mean, of course, I don't travel for free anymore. Greg and I don't. But when we go back, it, it it's not for the money. It's it's for the connection and the continual impact. We want Jane said it best. We want folks to know that they're not alone. And one comment that Celia said here, I just would like to read it. It's so personal and it's so wonderful that you're willing to speak out and help out. It's not easy, but it's so important. And that's again from Celia Kibler, our my dear friend, the uh, CEO of Pumped Up Parenting. And uh, go f- check her out because. She helped me be a better parent, and all my kids has grown. I just wish I could have did it over. <laughs> so, um, again, depression is real, and it's a silent killer. And sometimes we, w- w- people looked at you at the gym, and they're like, well, "She ain't depressed." People looked at you boxing, and like, "She ain't depressed." But yeah. so, right, so there are people right in our midst, Jane, that are yeah. doing things, that are active, that are, that are filling the void. And inside, they're full of dead man's bones. They're 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 they're, yes. they're miserable, right? Yes, I yeah. felt like a fraud. I felt like a fake. Wow, that's man, that's powerful. And then the next area was faith. She said, "I had nowhere to turn but to God." And as long as I am the sheriff of Impactville, <laughs> and I am here at the roof. E. Plowden legacy chair. As long as I don the the position that I have, we are always going to be unapologetic about faith. 
So faith was a component to healing. Yes. Yes. Well, tell us about tell us about your faith journey. Oh, wow. That's that's a whole episode in itself. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I was born and raised in a Christian home and I had that base. And then I took the detour dancing. And then when my late husband died, I came back and then I got remarried. And through our marriage, I, I couldn't I, I couldn't fix the marriage on my own. Mm. I had to surrender my marriage to God. And I was not thankful for this marriage. I was not thankful for this man that I'm married to now. And I had to make a practice of saying, thank you. Thank you. And it's, it's turned it around between that and sharing my story with my husband and being truly known and truly loved and accepted despite my past. That's part of the faith journey. And we can kind of touch on the forgiveness. I know that's a hot button, but I think that for me, that's a part of my story and, and that's part of my faith journey as well. Yes. And, and that's the fourth, that's the fourth element uh, again, my guest Jane Epstein talks about, <clears throat> she says, I wrote a letter of forgiveness and it started a new chapter in my journey. I healed. I gained freedom. I did not understand that forgiveness would be such a beautiful gift to myself and that it would overflow into other areas of my life. But you helped me understand when we were in the pre-show um, that your forgiveness had had a unique component to it. Tell us about your your forgiveness journey. Yes, I, 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 I hear from survivors a lot. And so I'm very mindful of some survivors can't forgive. And so I'm not going to tell you that you have to forgive. That's that's the first thing. My forgiveness journey was a little unique in that. Number one, my older sibling had apologized to me when he was 21. And when he apologized to me, I wasn't prepared for it. I said, it's okay. I participated, but I had that in my back pocket somewhere. Now, later on in life, I received a massage from a male therapist and he pushed the envelope. He did some things that he should not have done. I was 40 some years old and I was on that massage table and I froze. I did not know what to do, mm. but I got off that table and I felt instant shame and instant embarrassment. And through that, I was like, wait a second. I didn't know what to do. I'm a grown woman. How was that six-year-old girl without the vocabulary, without the knowledge, how was she supposed to know what to do? Right. Because I had a picture of my little six-year-old self on my mirror and I didn't like her. I didn't know what she wanted, but she kept knocking. But through that process, I was able to forgive that little girl for not having the words and not telling. And that's where my forgiveness journey began. So I believe forgiveness can look like different things to different people. And that led me to be able to write the letter of forgiveness to my brother. And that's how it overflowed into my marriage and in my life in general. That's, that's the short version. No, I'm telling you what I felt like the, you know, in church, they say the Lord has walked in this room I, and you know, there, there is, there is, you know, you, you think about it, that little girl was silent because she, she just didn't know, you know, and maybe if she had have spoke up the, the pain and, and the, the, the violation wouldn't have happened so long, but you, you went back to her and said, I'm going to start with you myself. 
and I'm going to, I'm going to, my forgiveness is going to start with me at the point of origin. And you said something very, very powerful that, and, and I, I was miss, uh, I, I was wrong in my thought of forgiveness in this arena, because as you know, me and you have been through the same thing. Right. That I, I was thinking that, you know, the forgiveness of the person, uh, you know, was kind of mandatory, but you have helped us understand that it, the, those scars and, and that pain can, we don't get to determine how long someone deals with it. Right. Right. Jane. Right. Right. We don't, that's like grief. That's like, you know, folks saying, okay, someone passed away. You should be back to work in two weeks. That's a bunch of fooey. That's why I have folks on my show to deal with that because we're, we're yeah. wrong in society relative to that. Well, here's Agreed. the deal. <laughs> We're wrong. We're way off base. But when when we talk about forgiving a person, there, how that looks, doesn't necessarily mean that we're gonna be having potluck dinners together. It it, it may mean I forgive you because I forgive you, but I know for my mental health, I, there's going to always be distance between us and i had to uh, let me just be transparent and help somebody because i'm with my sister jane epstein and we're talking and we're ministering to people right now this has gone from a podcast to ministry that i've had to recognize even myself jane that i could not bring some of those offenders even though i've i've i want to forgive them i'm a man of god i want to you know what i mean but i Mm -hmm. could not bring them back into my circle Not even at 46 years old, I couldn't bring them back into my circle because you know what? Every time I brought them back into my circle, I went back to 1984. And I think we have to honor that. I think, I, I think childhood trauma is very much like a grief process and grief is as individual as a fingerprint. And I think that our traumas and the way that we heal and the way that we process them, the way that we come at them is very individual and I, and I honor survivors for, for getting through it the way they, they know how, the way that they can. Right. Um, but, but, you know, the, 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 the beauty of this discussion is that, that you did forgive your brother and there has been reconciliation. And, and that, that, that's a beautiful thing that, you know, that this discussion is not necessarily like Nisi, my cousin, who's, who's writing her book. You know, she said, I'm not writing this to uh, with the intention of hurting people, but I've got to heal myself. Yes. So when your book comes out in 2023, that's going to be that's going to be another layer. That's not a scar, but that's going to be a layer of healing for you. Right. Yes. For, For me. Yeah. The book is going to be for me. Right. Absolutely. And my siblings very supportive of me going public. Uh, they understand the need and they understand that this is happening at homes and we need to speak up. Right. And so let, let's just, uh, we got a few minutes, boy, this show has flown Jane. This is why we got to have you back. Let, give, let, let's give some, let's give some tips. Obviously neither one of us are, are therapists, but, but, but ministry is still ministry. And uh, you know what? I t- I'll put the disclaimer out there. You can do what you want. Consult your physician, obviously, but also you listen to the podcast. So you obviously trust that we're not trying to diagnose you, but here's some ideas. 
get, get, when when someone has gone or or let's say they're not gone through this, but how do we and how can parents, you know, prevent this or at least you know put some things in place to prevent it? What 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 are some ideas that you have? Number one, education. Mm-hmm. When your child is three years old, start talking to them about body safety. Tell them about the proper terms for body parts. Read to them 10 different books on body safety and secrets. All my favorites are on my website. I didn't write them. I'm not selling them, but I have all my favorites listed. And then secondly, when they enter puberty, that's a very important age. When they're 10 to 14 age, that's a very, that's an age where this stuff can happen. Mm-hmm. Talk to your kids. Make sure that they are sexually, make sure they have an open door where they can ask you questions or someone else ask questions. Again, I've got teen books on my website and yes, I've read them to my kids and keep an open, open verbal, open communication and don't leave your children one-on-one and keep talking to them. We don't talk, we don't touch strangers. We don't let strangers touch us. We also don't touch siblings, step-siblings and cousins. Education is key. Yeah, that's that's very, very important. And I, I remember young, you know, of course, I got seven children, but I remember because like you say, curiosity does rear its head. It's just it's just the nature of the beast. And the more kids you have, it seems like the more curious they are. And and we had to sit down and say, OK, look, you know, you don't you don't do this. And here's why this is this is reserved for married mom and dads you know and and we we had and you know this is years ago but i knew that i did not want that generational curse happening and uh, you know repeating itself and and you can start to be and and that's the thing you you can't make everything so taboo or have everything so you know so unspeakable in the home because you and i talked about it Sometimes it brings greater shame, probably more so. It destroys families when this topic is brought up and there's been oh. an, when there's been an offense, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, tears whole families apart. Tears whole families oh. apart. And that's why my cousin Nisi withheld from, you know, 